1: what up everybody welcome to another episode of the corner podcast Dansby here with the old man andreas hale producer cole baby in the studio
2: yeah well how'd i get here
1: i don't know it was a time warp last time i saw you in the parking lot getting thrown (laughs) out of the trunk or into the trunk of your car last
3: time i saw him he was posing because he got his hair cut on yeah. social media? Got
1: a whole promo.
3: Yeah. On the for a yeah
2: so it, uh, it was weird. So, like, I woke up in the trunk six months later, all of a sudden, I've been doing nothing this entire time. And then I woke up, my hair was just all gone.
1: I'm telling you, you look like Flair when he got to WWE. <laughs> like when he showed up WWE, I'd be like, who the hell is this guy Yo. with the short wavy hair? Yeah, he, he
2: had to get the fresh cut. Yeah. He had fresh cut. <laughs> it's
1: it's uh it's growing back. That's what I could say. That's oh, that's my yeah. compliment. It, it's it's, it's as I said,
2: back. mixed booking. Uh, you know, I had to put do the promo, put it together to get it over. Uh, otherwise, like, you yeah, know. Yeah. It everyone would have been shocking. If, if I just did it and, and didn't do anything about it, like yeah. everyone would be so mad. We
1: wouldn't know who you were. No, Correct. no idea. You definitely went
2: Hollywood. I did. Uh, did.
1: Outside of Cole being on the show today, two amazing guests. Impact Wrestling is in Vegas this whole weekend. And if you guys, obviously, are checking this out on YouTube, you won't hear that. But if you're listening to the show on the podcast, Impact Wrestling here in Vegas, you guys are in Vegas, make sure you guys check it out. But in studio today, the amazing Chris
3: Bay. Yeah.
4: Yeah, the ultimate finesser, your girl's favorite wrestler.
2: Back in studio. I'm chilling in the corner. Wait, he's, he's what? What is he, three-time now? He's three-time. We're going to have to name this Baywire Studios, ooh, I think.
4: ooh, cut the check.
2: Yes. Don't, get, don't get this man carried away. I, 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 I could sell out this name all I want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's
1: do it. Oh, cut and of course, across from him, the amazing Tom Hannafin. Just the voice of Impact Wrestling. Thank you for having me. The voice of professional wrestling for a while. We'll get into that in a a second. Um, That's
2: strong. He's scared. I can see the look in his eye, Cal.
1: I will tell you this. As a man who, for this show, has to watch NXT every week. um, There are some desks that are not as great. So, uh, it's a joy when I get to hear you <laughs> on commentary. I'm thrilled. Uh, this is my
5: first <laughs> time getting to meet the three of you in person. Andreas and I have been friendly for the better part of a year, a lot of mutual friends, which is great. So, And uh, I've gotten to call a bunch of Chris's stuff. Actually, you and I go back to a random episode of 205 Live. You Remember that old chestnut? This oh, is true. I, yeah. I is am the wait, biggest wait, 205 yeah. Live fan <laughs> ever. You're all six of them. Okay, yeah. great. So, <laughs> Who was it you worked on 205 Live? It was Arya Divari. Yeah. Wow. wow. That was yeah. that was here in Vegas, right? It was, that that was here was in, in Vegas. So, T Mobile. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I forget who I got to call the match with. It might have been Graves, it, but it, it was Ray it was Ray Walt. Was it Ray Walt? It was Ray Walt. <laughs> Amazing. Everything <Wow>. comes around. <laughs> yeah. And like he was the nicest guy, he introduced himself to everybody at ringside, and it went in there and lit it up. And like it was it was a get over for Aria, but like they wanted you to have a moment there. And I was like, damn, I was like, dude's good. And years later, it's like, oh, he's an impact. Then he's doing stuff in New Japan. Then he's in Bullet Club. I was like, man, I get to call this guy stuff every week. he had been tearing it up with Kushida the last few weeks. And yeah. uh, tonight at No Surrender, you're going to be in the ring with Kushida again. Six yeah. Man tag.
4: yeah. And we get Kenta. Oh, oh I on. miss yeah. Kenta so much. As much as I love Ace Austin, shout out to The Inevitable. Mm-hmm. We get Kenta. So, like, I mean, you know, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dope. But it's awesome to have you call these matches now because not only did you do me a favor by even mentioning my. My young name, Chris Bay, on that 205 Live product. Trust you got me. Your, you got to use your real name. I did. That yeah. almost never happens. Exactly. So when I watched it back, and heard you saying it, too. I was like, yo, that's awesome. This guy's the best for that. Little stuff like that that I, I don't forget. So having you with us now at Impact and calling all of my matches, it's, it's
5: perfect. And I would I would say it's sweet. We can end the, the show now. We can end the show now. I'm good with, with everything that's going down. Thank you, Kel. Thank you, everybody. I'm good. Good night.
1: No, it's, again, Impact's doing so many great things. We've had a ton of Impact people here. I mean, we've had Chris here twice. Yeah, delo has been here. Yeah, Kenny's been um, here. Kenny's been here. Lance
3: did the Rumble with us. Yes,
1: Lance was Lance here did during the, Rumble the with Corner us. Rumble. Love it. One of the, the 30 guests we had that
3: day. That was like, nuts. To we'll never do that again.
2: Oh, yeah, that was crazy as shit. That's why they don't <laughs> let me
3: in
1: the studio. Anymore. Yeah. Don't tell anyone that I'm here, by the way. Uh, no, yeah, so, I mean, it's no secret That we think Impact's product, from what they do from the top down, is one of the best in pro wrestling. We champion them on there, just being inclusive so much compared to other companies and being on the forefront of so many things. Where we talked about the women's evolution or revolution in the WWE and the four horse women, but we always point out, like, Impact had the knockouts, like, going crazy, like, three years before then. Yeah, um, way that. Four, yeah, Four, yeah, four or five years before that. We had Gail Kim yeah. on our show before yeah. talking about it. So Impact is always like at the forefront of a lot of these things. Having black champions. We all went crazy for Kofi Mania. And Impact has had like black champions. Been it. Like, oh, yeah. Bobby was
3: there a while ago. Yeah. Like,
1: Dominating.
5: I was gonna say truth. Yeah, truth. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah Moose WA was champ. champ for six Moose, months. Right. World champion yeah. for about six months.
1: Yeah. 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 So that it's things that impact does that where they make it, it's just normal. Everyone has a chance at an impact. There's always room for you to shine. D'Lo put it best. He was like, listen, we're going to let you be you. And if that gets over and you and you are there, then you'll be the person. But it, it's the skills, really, that, that stand out at Impact. So it's great to have you both here with us today. I'm not going to talk about, like, the shows themselves. We're going to keep it pretty general. We want to yeah. know about YouTube. We know a lot about Chris. <laughs> Except Chris is fancy now. He came in here with a new chain
5: on. Yeah, He got the the bay bling. I didn't get the memo about the chain. I would have brought one. I'm sorry. Shout out Japan.
4: Shout out Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out my jewelers around
1: the world. Yeah, I looked at his Instagram earlier. He got the fresh cut and everything. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah. Chris Hollywood. He getting ready for the show? Yeah. I love it.
3: I'm cool surprised that. he did the show because, like, you know, once upon a time, you know, it was cool. I was like, this motherfucker ain't going to do the show no more. <laughs> <laughs> he never come. He was like, y'all y'all little ass studio? I'm good. Yeah, listen, I, I thought I had to book it through his
5: agent. Right. Like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> nah. So, damn. So, yeah.
3: so hold on. I got a, Tom, I got a question for you off the bat before we start digging into some history. Did you watch Impact when you were working at WWE at all?
5: Yeah, so I've talked about it on other podcasts is that for a while I had a a management role in that I was second to Michael Cole, so I was helping to recruit, train, produce announcers uh, for a while. So it was my job to be watching all these different promotions, mostly to be recruiting and scouting announcers to see, you know, it's like, oh, if we had a need for ring announcer, backstage interviewer, color commentator, play-by-play, this person might be a good fit. Did it always work out that way? No, but at least there were a couple hits here and there. So it, it was really fun to watch that. But also when I was younger, uh, probably in the mid-2000s, was when I, I was losing interest in WWE. And, like most people, uh, all, and all it, it was common <laughs> for a lot of people. Yeah. So the alternative at the time was TNA. So I would flip over there, and the thing that would keep my attention with TNA was the tag team division. And I fell in love with tag team wrestling with a, a triangle ladder match once upon a time at WrestleMania, Dudley's, Hardy's, Edge and Christian. So to fast forward to TNA in the mid-2000s where, like, my fanhood is waning, I'm like, man, there's some incredible tag team wrestling going on in this company. You get the likes of the Motor City Machine Guns. We're still doing it, and you've yeah. got to face them at no surrender. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> LAX, beer money, the list goes on and on. It's just crazy. So I, I got hooked on that, and then it was just different. It was very, very different. And obviously, Impact's got a very complicated history, like a lot of wrestling promotions. They've been around now 21 years, and the thing that I've said on the air is that Impact owns its scars. And there's not. it's not always going to be sunshine and roses. There's going to be certain things that happen that, Yeah, would you prefer it didn't happen? No, but at the same time, Impact Wrestling has embraced the challenges that they've dealt with, especially the last, what, five years, the amount of stuff that they've been through, and then the 10, 15 years before that, it's been a lot. And we're still doing it at a very high level. So I'm I'm humbled to say we, after having been in the company now for a year.
3: How is it being at this company for a year? Because I remember, you know, we talked, you know, after your departure from WWE and you end up in Impact, what were your expectations and how much has it exceeded it now that you've joined the company and seen talent like Chris Bay? Because you guys have a lot of damn good talent.
5: Yeah, the, the roster's phenomenal. Um, For me, man, like, you know, getting released by WWE, it broke my heart, period. And it was at a very cha- challenging time in my personal life as well. So there were a lot of things happening all at once. So when I finally came up for air a number of months later, uh, I reached out to some friends that were working at Impact and I was like, sir, anything that might be you know possible like could i find an opportunity there and it just so happened that they were looking to make a change and it just kind of worked out that way that i got a foot in the door so when i showed up you know that first day hard to kill 2022 i see the good brothers and it's like some familiar faces and see ray walt ray walt's like what are you doing here and i see uh w morrissey and like all these guys i was familiar with and then like oh chris bay is here i knew he was there but i was like oh man like Some guys, I was like, great, I get to sink my teeth into these characters and not just some one-off match here and there or something like that. So it's just these great opportunities, and the roster is deep, man. And it was kind of like, you know, Kel was talking about before, is that everybody has their part to play. Everybody is working together, but there's just all these different opportunities for it's kaleidoscopic. I don't know how else to describe it other than that. There's a little bit of everything with the Impact roster. It's
1: beautiful. Chris. Talking about that, because we, we've we gone through your history and everything, but talking about being an impact, now being an impact veteran. Which, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dude, <laughs> veteran. Sports
5: Illustrated covered this guy getting re-signed. Yeah. it's is true.
1: <laughs> Big money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's so uh, Big but, time. but when you look at that and you see how often impact changes and gives these opportunities, I want to ask you, since you've gotten there, and especially now, have you seen things change? You're in the tag division now, tearing yeah. it up. Do you feel as though that's like a springboard to where you even were when you got signed? Because when you got signed, people were like, X division, singles guy, all this stuff. But impact, they've shown like everyone does everything in impact. Yeah. And when you first got in the tag team, I wrestling Twitter, I should probably stay off of it. <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> it's the worst. But a lot of people are just like, he's buried. That's it. Chris Bay's over. You guys are burying Chris Bay. You had so much talent. And now Bullet Club, Bay, you're everywhere in Japan. Do do you feel like Impact gives that that opportunity to be like, you know what, you can do everything here, and it actually helped your career?
4: I think that Impact can see when there's a perfect opportunity to expand someone's character and give them more depth and give them a different lane to shine in because – we're all capable of everything if we put our minds to it, right? So for them to put me in a tag team, it started with them trusting me enough to work with these people who were coming in with New Japan, you know, and New Japan also giving me that trust, you know, to work with, you know, Hikaleo when, when he comes in or LP when he comes in or, you know, then, you know, the Good Brothers making the jump and even when Tama Tonga and Tonga were over, you know, working with these people, Jay White, it showed them that I could be a versatile player and fit kind of, in any category, even if we rewind the time a little bit before that, when I was working with Ken Shamrock and, you know, Sammy Callahan and Moose randomly, you know, it showed that my character has these different avenues that he can play around with. So when you put me in a position to be in a tag team and say, okay, let's actually run it now because we've tested the waters and we actually like the product that we've gotten back from you. It gives me then an opportunity to work and develop our tag team uh, roster. Just like you mentioned that we still have the Motor City Machine Guns, I loved watching them growing up, too. So now to be able to mix it up with them all the time and possibly continue to compete for the tag team championships against those guys, it's a perfect dream scenario for me. And then it also gives the company something to write home about about these two young guys in Ace and Bay who grew up watching these guys, you know, who essentially could snatch the torch now and take these championships from these guys and in the process help establish the next generation of tag team wrestlers that we have. And keep us also relevant on the card and not getting lost because, like you said, uh, you know we can all play different roles, but we have so much talent, it's hard sometimes to fit everybody on the show. So by putting us in these different roles and giving us a different chance to show what we can do, we keep everybody in flow of motion and start creating more stories to tell. Some of my favorite wrestlers were tag team wrestlers who started as singles wrestlers and went back to being singles wrestlers but had great tag team runs at some point. You know, So it's just how it goes.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, the champion now, Josh Alexander.
4: Yeah, tag team guy, the North. North oh, the North. North, one of yeah. the best
1: tag teams the past decade. That
4: was how I discovered Josh. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, yeah. I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't seen him before. But once I saw the North, I was like, yo, these dudes are dope. Like, I, I want to be like these guys, wrestle with these guys. Like, They're in there mixing it up with the rascals. I'm like, yo, these tag teams Impact have are crazy. And then when they split, you know, Ethan Page is a great singles guy. Josh Alexander, walking weapon, world champion, triple crown in Impact. He's the best that, that, you know, it gets outside of Chris Bay. So, you know.
3: <laughs> I want to talk about, like, Manifest Destiny, though, because a lot of people dream to do things and it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. I want to rap with Biggie. That shit can't happen. Right. right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but a lot of people have seen your social media and you having, like, the, the TNA title and things like that. Yeah. How much often do you have to pinch yourself when you get into these scenarios where, like, I'm working the Motor City Machine, Guns? Yeah. Like, do you still – or is, or is now it's like, I'm here. Is how does this work for you?
4: It definitely is more down the I'm here route because that's how I keep myself from psyching myself out of the moment and taking myself out of what people paid to see because people didn't pay to see the fan, Chris Bay, Russell Motor City Machine Guns. They pay to see the ultimate finesser finesse the Motor City Machine Guns. So I have to remember that and keep track of that. But when I get home or when I go to like do signings and stuff like that, that's when it gets more real and it can get – Uh, it can be reminded to me i always carry around rest in peace the don west signed autograph tna impact bag i carry stuff around in that when i go on the road so whenever i pull that out of my bag as simple as pulling that out of my bag and seeing that like man i ordered this when i was 14 years old you know like i'm here i'm I'm working where i where i used to dream about you know i used to sit in class not thinking about class (laughs) thinking about this company (laughs) wearing every day to school eighth grade seventh grade i remember I used to wear the Motor City Machine Guns dog tags to school every day. And now, you know, I compete against those guys on pay-per-views. I've had some of my best matches against them, and I'm setting the bar against them for modern-day tag team wrestling against a team that set the bar then, you know, and hold the bar to a certain standard. So I pinch myself, you know, when I get home after the work is done. But when I'm in work mode, I'm in work mode. It's time to give those guys a run for their money. They're great, so I have to be greater.
5: Yeah.
1: I I mean... When you look at the depth of the roster, like you said, it's it's people who have been doing it since 2000. Who have been doing it since the 2010s. Yeah. Now you're representing this this new wave of talent. And it's three generations of pro wrestling all under one banner. It's, it's hard to look into the future. But you would mention, like, man, we're here to help some of the tag teams coming in now or coming behind us and all this stuff. When you look, you do a lot of work with FSW still here in Vegas. Yes, and my choice. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot of young talent there. Yeah. you still wrestled a young talent. Uh, Just
4: wrestled a fifteen-year-old <laughs> on my birthday weekend. By choice, because See? that kid is going to be signed one day, and you I needed to, to, to make sure. You know, <laughs> he's he's got to earn that. You know, on, you know, fella. you know as well as I know. If, if the art of finesse hits. You know, yeah, yeah, my yeah, hands are tied. you, know, then. you know, You're all right, kid. My <laughs> hands are tied, but like that was, you know, that's a part of developing talent. It's what we do. We give back.
1: Yeah, and being in that role, so still early in your career. Yeah, how do you really kind of play both ends? It reminds me of the Jay Cole song "Middle Child." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, just had lunch with Jay. Went to the studio with Twenty One Savage. Like yeah. He's a little bro to somebody. He's big bro to somebody else. Yeah. How do you play both roles? And how cool is that? Now that you get to do both sides. of it.
4: um, It's the coolest part of what I do, to be honest, next to meeting people who my work inspires them or, like, you know, motivates them to do certain things that improve their life. Next to that, it's the greatest thing that I can do because I understand that I've been in this business now six and a half years. And, you know, when you saw me at WWE, I was three years in. You know, I was probably, like, 22, 23 years old. And, like, the I got there so quick that, Through the process of that three years that got me to that position, I realized that what really made uh, me move faster than the regular, than the norm, was the people that I met throughout the course of the journey who gave me the knowledge that I could then use to get me to the next level. So I understand how essential that knowledge is to pass down to the people who are running right behind me, so to say, because that's all it is that stands between them and where they want to be and that stands between me and where I you know where I want to be or where I just got to like what stood between that was the knowledge so then I could apply the knowledge and get to where I am today so I'm I'm a playbook you know when I do impact and I get knowledge or I do a new Japan show and I get some knowledge as soon as I came back from Japan you know first thing I did was went to FSW and gave all my guys the game you know like this is how they did it over here this is what I learned over here this is how that goes when something happens on impact and something goes you know crazy or whatever and I learned something from it, I go back to them, hey, this is what you need to watch out for. This is what just happened. This is what's going on right now in real time on the television programs of wrestling that you subscribe to and that you're trying to be a part of. This is how it goes. So, like, I understand it's just information, and who would I be to hold on to that information and gatekeep? I, I want to see everybody grow. I want to see everybody flourish because the game has enough space for that. You know, like, it really does. If everyone focused on their own game and just played to the best of their abilities in their game, we can make the overall game greater you know
3: tom you were once upon a time a young man in this game and i think there's a lot of people who don't Still know is. Don't hey, look hey, the now. hey hey now. 40, now. 30. No, no, hey hey no, no 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 hey now. No. what i'm saying is when tom like tom did a lot tom was a veteran yeah. like people listening to the show may not be familiar with tom's background you did a lot at a young age at WWE. And I, I, I want you to kind of run that down a little bit because you kind of mentioned it. It was like a minor I was wow, Scouting talent. Like, people just thought you did commentary. So how did you end up falling into that position? Because I want to bridge that into Chris's question because now you get a chance to pass that knowledge. But let's start at the beginning. Like, how did you get into WWE and, and roll into these positions where it wasn't just commentary? You were producing. You were scouting. How did this all happen?
5: Ah, man. So getting hired in the first place, I, I think was, I, I got very lucky. I got very fortunate. I got hired at 23 years old. Like I did the wrestling business backwards. It's kind of like what Bay was talking about in terms of like, oh, getting an opportunity in with the biggest wrestling company in the world at such a young age. I didn't know what I was getting into. I really didn't know what to do. I was just kind of figuring it out along the way. And I had people like Michael Cole and Corey Graves and Renee Paquette showing me the way and the, Bevy of other people. There's too many to name. And uh I had a lot of growing pains. I'll put it that way. Um, I think I was the youngest play-by-play announcer in the history of SmackDown. I was 25. I had no idea what I was doing. No clue. It was me, JBL, and Cole. And there's a picture of me on my first night where I am like ashen and sweating bullets because I was just terrified. I had no idea what to do. I didn't really understand the psychology of calling wrestling commentary and then the uh, the other thing on top of that is just managing the traffic of a broadcast like that when i talk about managing the traffic it's that when you're watching any type of wrestling show for the lay person and you see a graphic flash on the screen or you know a a, some b-roll from here's what happened last week and then the play-by-play guy's calling it or you throw to a video package because it's memorial day or something like that that's a lot of work that's a lot of planning that goes into it so you don't just figure that out overnight when you're 23 24 25 so in 2015 my contract was coming to an end and uh i was given an ultimatum that they're like you can either move to orlando and you can start over reinvent yourself get better and maybe take on some new roles and maybe helping some new people that were also relocating down there and just kind of show them the way because you already had been in the system for a little bit wasn't getting everything right but you can at least guide them a bit or we're not going to renew your contract. So that was a pretty easy decision. Uh, It was difficult, but it was still an easy decision. I was like, okay, and went down to Orlando, and I was very grateful to have the backing of Michael Cole and Matt Bloom at the Performance Center looked after me. And very shortly thereafter, Triple H gives Corey Graves and myself an opportunity to do a two-man booth, which was relatively unheard of in wrestling at that time. Yes, obviously, there have been tons of those for years and I prefer them. I love that. Uh, But at the time, there were tons of three-man booths within WWE, so it was like, why don't we just narrow this down? And it let Graves and I kind of do our thing, as Graves was also, let's not forget, reinventing himself, and then I'm trying to figure things out, so he's teaching me, and I'm kind of helping him with, you know, being on air a little bit. You know, I went to college for it, so we're just, we're helping each other out, and we're you know, we were both such big Gorilla and Heenan fans that we tried our best to do the modern version of that without completely ripping it off. So uh, so getting to do that and then I felt like comfortable all of a sudden. And I felt like I was uh, hopefully helping people and not every day was a good day. And uh, after a while, it got to a point where in 2018, I, I got to be a manager officially. And to this day, I'm like, I, I still don't know necessarily how that all materialized the way that it did. I'm grateful that I had people that were in my corner and, and trusted me and, and valued my opinion to a degree. And like I said, did I, did I do everything perfectly as a manager? Hell no. Hell no. And and I'm grateful to be doing what I'm doing now with impact where I'm a talent, because I can look back on that time where I had an opportunity to be a manager. And it's like, what went right? What went wrong? And if I get a chance like that somewhere down the line, how can I be better? So, you kind of mentioned that you scouted talent for WWE.
3: Is there any particular names that you put out there that ended up signing with the company?
5: With WWE? Yeah. Um, So my favorite recruiter that I would contact, uh, and contact is a strong word, I would just bump into him in TV locker room, was Rhino. <laughs> so at the time, What? <laughs> Rhino was, you know, all over the Indies still, but, like, he was coming in and doing some shots with WWE as were some of the old ECW guys. But Terry's just the greatest guy. So uh, you know, Cole and I were like, oh, we should talk to you know some of the boys and see if they know anybody that are on the indie scene." So I talked to Rhino, and he uh, told me about this guy named Victor Voglianti, who ironically was about to just sign with Impact. So we gave him a call, and we gave him an audition, and Cole liked his stuff, and the decision was made. In comes Vic. So Vic now, Vic Joseph on NXT is, I, I think, the world of him as a person and as a professional. So then after about a year with him, you know, he's great to work with. I was like, hey, Vic, we're looking for a ring announcer. Do you know anybody? He was like, I think I might know somebody. And uh, he puts me in touch with Alicia Warrington, Alicia Taylor. And she's phenomenal. And she is one of one of ring announcers in this world. There are people that try to duplicate her, and they shouldn't do that. Alicia Taylor's one of one, and I would argue War Games isn't the presentation that it is without her voice. Yeah. Uh, And then I can't really, again, I'm not taking credit for these people. I'm just saying at one point or another, I was like, they could be good. And they got themselves in the door. Uh, The one that I was uh, very happy about was uh, Wade Barrett. So Wade was killing it on NWA when NWA really had re-risen or come back to, to power, so to speak. No pun intended. And like anybody could look at what he was doing on Color Commentary and be like, he's really good. So I remember probably a year and a half before he signed, I, was, I said to Cole, I was like, hey, you know, here's this, here's this tape of NWA. You know, like, he'd be good if we ever had a need. And you just never know when it's going to happen. There's so many people who have stories in WWE. It's like, I did an audition and I got hired a week later. I got hired a year and a half later. Well, it just so happened that in the middle of the pandemic, there was a need. And, and Wade came on. And Wade and I had a great relationship when he was a full-time wrestler. And he had a great relationship with Cole and Triple H and all these other people. So it just was perfect. And then he walked in and he immediately hit it out of the park. And I was so happy to see him get the opportunity he has now on SmackDown. I mean, he is phenomenal. So uh, I want to be very, very clear. I take no credit for the success of these people. Uh, I'm just very glad that maybe at one point or another, I could be like, hey, this could be an interesting idea. And then somebody else had the bright idea to pull the trigger on it, and then they had to get the ball over the goal line. So,
1: save Vic. <laughs> um, that's that's all I'll say about the NHL commentary
5: <laughs> booth. <Save>. Be nice, <laughs> be nice to Vic. <laughs> no, no,
1: hashtag save Vic. I, I have oh, Vic save. We have to save, Vic. save Vic. Oh, I yeah, see no, what you're he saying. is not the problem on that booth. We'll <laughs> just,
3: yeah, uh, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah,
1: we'll we'll go around. Why now. do
3: we have to? I mean, we already <laughs> went this far, God, <laughs> damn. You know who the <laughs> problem is. Booker T. Get look, his
1: ass off that book. I mean, <laughs> look, man. Listen, he's a legend. I understand. Hall of Famer, like he,
5: twice over. He's, he's a big guy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like, that's that's the qualification. No, like, I love Book. Yeah, book. Just, just
1: put that at the top of the resume. Book's. I'm a big guy. That's his catchphrase. Sometimes. That's his catchphrase. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nah, um, yeah it's all right. I mean, I like his wrestling school. He does other things very well. All right, Kel, stop.
3: <laughs> oh. I just—it's hard but to. You listen. know what? That, that makes me curious because, like, do you ever watch like commentary teams that go,
5: "Why the fuck did they put those two together?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll be clear. I don't. I don't watch WWE. Yeah, uh, and I, I try and focus as much on going back through the Impact history mm-hmm. because, yeah, while well, I watched it in spurts here and there there's still little nuggets here and there that I'm picking up week to week and we're doing edits and we're in you know uh, creative discussions at TV and I'm like, oh, okay, and I have to re-educate myself. So I'm spending a lot more time doing that. But, yeah, there have certainly been teams in the last 10 years that I've worked together where, I, like, you just inherently knew because you understood their skill set. It's like, this probably won't work or this probably will work for X and Y reasons, but then for all these other reasons, this is why they were put together. And... That's, that's just life. There's so many instances where, you know, in any walk of life, oh, well, we would made this decision because so-and-so said whatever, but you really know that this guy and that person would be really good together. It just doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Talking about teams, Chris. Yeah. Don't got name names.
1: But is there a time where you just got thrown into a really shitty tag team and you're just, like, <laughs> in the ring, you're, like, holding a rope, you're just like... I got to get the hell
4: out of here. Yeah. Like, what is this guy doing? 100%. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has happened to me in my early days where, you know, they throw me in. I'd, I'd travel X amount of hours to some show, have no clue what I'm doing, if I even have a spot. And I get there, and they're like, yeah, this is your tag partner. And your, your initial response is, you know, I'm a singles wrestler. I don't need this person. But then you're like, you know what? Let me try to make it work because this could be my opening to come back. And then you do it and you're like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to come back if this is gonna be my <laughs> opening, because that ain't it, y'all. Like, you know, it, the chemistry ain't there, it ain't there. You can't force it. You could be as good as you are by yourself, but people will pick up on that as an the audience. They'll be like, I like that guy. You know, like many tag teams you see, and you're like, Yeah, I like that person, you know, like not to use the phrase that's been beaten a million times, but it's the only phrase I know, baby the genetti of the team right yeah like, <laughs> or genetti it is, what it is. <laughs> you, you know is like it but it's like where it's like you see a team you're like okay that guy's obviously the one or that person's obviously the one whenever this splits this person's gonna be a star you know like there's that feeling you know it as a as a viewer you know it as a performer so when i've been thrown in those things i'm like we'll see how long it lasts like i'll get i'll give it a shot but like we'll see how long it lasts i'm sure it'll fix itself and I know I'm a good singles wrestler, so once it fixes itself, I'm going to be good, baby.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what made Ace so different? Because I felt like that was just, like, instant, besides the Bullet Club connection. Because yeah. like, you tagged with other people in the Bullet Club. And yeah. like It was mm-hmm. good tag, but you and Ace got in the ring, and it was like, oh, no, wait, no, nah, yep. this is yeah. it. This That's can it. go
3: further. And before you know, answer so. that, like, I didn't know I wanted that until I got it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Right? Yeah. It was
3: one of those things where I saw it, and I was like, really? And then I watched y'all work, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah.
4: yeah. This is the business. Yeah. Um, I think the best thing about me and Ace that brought us together strong as a team is how similar our stories are and then how similar our end goal is. You know, like, we're just on the same page with all those things, so the in-ring work, because he's great as a solo wrestler and I'm also great as a solo wrestler, the in-ring, we know, like, okay, we both got to make this work, and it's almost like we compete within each other to make sure it works. You know, like, I knew when Impact first signed Ace, this is when I was still hustling for the contract for Impact a year prior. I remember they came here to Samstown. That's where he did his debut match for Impact with the company. And I remember watching, trying to get an extra talent spot, and I saw who they just signed. I'm like, damn, this guy's good. And I'm like, yeah, me and this guy are going to feud over the world title for many years to come. Like, this guy is good. I knew it. I was like, this guy's going to be my competition. So six months later or so, when he won the X Division Championship, and I'm still hustling for the deal, I'm like, he don't even know it yet. But that belt's mine. <laughs> as soon as I get there, that belt's mine. Like, and then he lost it to Willie, and I was like, oh, you got lucky. You <laughs> got lucky. Because then I got there and I took it from Willie, but I was like, I was like, you got lucky. You know, like we always like I knew that, and I'm sure he could probably feel a similar way where he's like, you know, like Bay's, Bay's dope. You know, like I'm I'm the guy, but Bay's dope. So when we got both put together, as soon as he joined Bullet Club, I was like, hmm, okay. I see where this could be going, and then as soon as we got paired together, first match against Motor City Machine Guns, center stage Atlanta, Georgia, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's on now. Like, bro, We first match together against the Machine Guns? Oh, yeah, show me what you got. I got I'll show you what I got right now. And then, like, we showed each other. We were like,
3: oh, yeah, this works.
4: <laughs> we're going to do what we need to do for each other, which is... Complete our goal of being Triple Crown. He wants to be world champion. He's a former three time X Division champion. I want to be world champion. I'm a former X Division champion. We both need the tag titles to complete what we need. So if we're going to be each other's link to do that, let's do it. Let's get each other to that next level. Let's take this division to the next level. Let's get those championships and submit our legacy. And then let's see who gets to that world title first. A race to it. Yeah. I like con-
3: that. It's a contest, yeah. Uh, Tom, I want to. I got to talk about the Kushida match.
5: Oh yeah, let's
3: that, talk about it. I love it. Is
5: so good. So
3: you're watching. You're calling this match. Like, yeah. <laughs> how many times does it happen when you're doing calling a match? You're like, holy shit! This is this is reaching another level. And and at that point, when does your job become? I need to accentuate everything that's happening in this ring because it's not your average match. Like this is. This is a match that you're watching unfold, and you're like, this is like match of the year quality stuff.
5: There are plenty of instances and matches I've called where you need to accentuate something because it requires it. And then there's matches like what he's done with Kushida in a tag and in a singles match where I really just need to react. Those are the best. There's plenty of matches where you kind of have to go bigger maybe than what the match is giving you because the storyline is whatever it is. And it's just, that's how the business works but there's plenty of instances that I've seen him go out there and especially the match he just had against Kushida on Access TV where I just was like, oh, great, let me just sit back and put my feet up and I'll just react and go crazy. And like the tag match, I was in the middle of saying something stupid because (laughs) Ray Walt said some line from Cher by accident (laughs) uh, if Kushida could turn back time or whatever. So my brain just wandered off into the woods and I just started going, if I can turn back time. (laughs) And you're like... Just making your approach to the ropes to go for the art of finesse and you get caught by Kushida. Yeah. And it was so freaking incredible that I just lost my mind. And I was like, yep, glad I stopped talking about share for a minute. <laughs> but focus on this thing. It was insane. But it was so good that you couldn't take your eyes off it. And that's what's that's what's beautiful about great wrestling. Man.
1: Talking about spots.
5: Yeah.
1: Ooh, I know what you I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> Somebody went viral. Yeah.
4: <laughs> it kind
3: of <laughs> happens with you from time
4: to time. Like, time from to time. time. When, when I get in my bag. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, uh, the apron spot. Yeah. When that's all happening, do you have it in your mind that it's like, yeah, this is the one?
4: Man, there's so much room for error in that ring, and everything's just live. So, like, you do it, it goes down the way it goes down. You react to whatever really just happened, and you get to where you're trying to go, right? That was one of those things that as soon as he, he, you know, slingshotted and I jumped back, there was like a of us hooking that I felt, and I knew. As soon as we hit that, like I knew. I was like, oh, yeah, we did it. Boom. So as soon as we take the bump, that's the – I feel like that's was one of the few times I can actually remember Hearing a crowd like collectively come up and seeing people jump up, you know? And like, if you if you look back, you see me like smiling, cheesy, right? <laughs> like, I got it. If you turn the the, the volume <laughs> up on me, you hear me look at Ace and go, get his ass <laughs> in the ring. <laughs> I was, Cause I was just too late. Like I was like, yeah, that was it right there. Like if, if if nothing else hit in this match, which it all did, it felt like it all did. Everything was there, you know. Uh, the spot you just talked about with the sheer, like, all that happened, you know. Good spots. But when that hit, I was like, oh, man. And it, you see, even after the one, two, three, I'm looking at Ace. And I, I think I told him, I was like, yo, you feel that? That was it, right? And I, like, dap him up. Like, we shake hands. I'm like, yeah, you feel that, right? <laughs> yeah, we ought to get that respect. Like, I was, I was hype, you know. Like, I know, like, when I'm on, I'm on. And in that moment, we linked, and it hit, and I dropped him on the apron, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's on. Like, it's on. Like, and I, that was a week after I had the flu, so I was, like, real insecure about my performances the week before. So, like, coming back and doing that first night in, I'm like, yep. hmm I'm back. We locked in. Watch this when it airs. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Glad people enjoyed it.
1: So, Cole, baby, we're going to get you into the mix here because we're going to open this up to more general wrestling now, Uh and I want different perspectives. So we did an Elimination Chamber AEW pod on Tuesday because we had you guys in here. We're like, you guys are going to be the whole show today. So we we did all that on Tuesday. But it's interesting because we had different perspectives. I don't know how Cole reacted to anything the past week in pro wrestling. You don't watch, so we can ask (laughs) you. You're getting brand-new information as someone who's been around the business for so long, so we get your opinion. And Chris, you're obviously in it as a talent, Yeah. so you can give us perspective. We're going to go around on a couple of things happening in pro wrestling. I'm going to leave WWE to the side for a second. We're going to get there. But... The most recent thing happened yesterday. None of us reacted to this. Yeah. And I just want you guys' thoughts on it. And, Tom, I want you to touch on how often this happens in pro wrestling. Okay. And, Chris, how often you put stuff like this in there. MJF has had several great promos by most accounts in the recent weeks. His character has always been about blurring the line between kayfabe and real. Like, you, you never know what it is people don't know if those are his real parents to this day that show <laughs> on, on aw no one knows so but he's been putting real stuff in his promos the past couple of weeks um one was very fake about a high school girlfriend uh that he was driving in his car and people called the cops on him yeah. thinking that it was real but this past week it's confirmed that it's real he had a separation from his fiance right he says i'm more locked in than you daniel Bryan. i'll risk everything for this business. Like Danny Bryan, every time you step in here, you're saying this is more important than your kids, more important than your wife. He's like, I'm willing to do that. I lost a fiance, I don't care. Cause I'm world champion. What were your thoughts on MJF getting personal, like really personal, real life personal? And then I want to get your take on how often does real life blend into what goes on air? And how often do people put that in promos? And Chris, if you have how much of your life do you put into your stuff?
3: Hmm. I'll start. I guess with MJF, like I've said it on the show, like I followed him around for WrestleMania weekend and I didn't know if he was working me or not like the whole time. It was weird. Like we was backstage in the locker rooms. Like he called me on the phone. I was like, where are you staying at? And I was like, oh, I'm staying somewhere. I can't remember in Manhattan. He was like, oh, I got an extra room at my parents' house. You want to stay there? And I hung up the phone and I was like, that motherfucker working me? <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. I say that because I never know and I think that's the best thing about MGF. So like, even when he tells that story, like, I don't know how much he felt that. And I don't know how much of a douchebag he really is. But it's it's conveyed so well through the television that I'm just like, it works. He's like one of one when it comes to that stuff. So he can get away with things that other talent cannot when it comes to his promo ability. Um, in personal life and stories, it works. The only challenge with that is he's a heel. And if you're getting sympathy as a heel it can backfire. And I, I think while I appreciated it, I was like, mm, yeah, I mean, this is Brian Danielson, white meat baby face. Everybody loves Danielson. It's it's very hard to get cheered more than Danielson, but MJF is also in that gray area where people still cheer him when he comes out. I don't know if I would have done that particular promo to get sympathy. If he would have shitted on his fiance, <laughs> that would worked a little bit better. But I felt like at that particular moment, like it was a good promo, but I was like, hmm you, you're eating Danielson up here by doing this. So I think it, it's it depends on who you are. As a heel, I think you should, me personally, I don't think you should look for sympathy because it changes the dynamic of the character. Cole.
2: This is, there's a lot to digest from, I think, everything that MJF was putting out there um, on Wednesday. It It's a case of when you blur the line like that, it, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like method acting, right? It's like, how much do you dive into the character that you actually become the character, and you start wondering like he's been a master of blurring that line, as Andrea said, of like we don't know what's a work, what's what's real, what's fake, but when he does these style of promos, because he's done this before, he's t- he's gone on this line of collecting sympathy from from an audience, even though he's being a heel, right? He's he'll do promos where it's like I am I am evil and like I hate myself kind of promos yeah. this one took it to a whole nother level where i was i was genuinely just concerned like by the end of that promo i was like that was that a promo to sell a match or was that a cry for help and i don't know and part of that is like i mean some of the best artists of our time and the artists of yesteryear are crazy people like there's just there's just something that, that ticks in their brain that they're able to connect real and what's not and put it together in a way that we've never seen before. And he does such an amazing job where I mean, we you talk about that being a sympathy promo, the crowd all went, You deserve it. Yeah. Right back at him <laughs> which was nuts to me. So of course like I think and I think the whole crowd was probably going, like, it's a work, it's MJF. The plane was a work. Was it a work? I don't know. Like he blurs that line so amazingly well. But taking that step to where he went, I was genuinely concerned. And him getting, like, knocked out by, by, by Brian at the end was, like, I'm now worried for this man's safety. So it's, like, where is that line go? Like, where he's just so willing to throw so much of what's going on in his life into his profession, into his sport, where it becomes him. Is he is he is he too is he too deep in it. You know what I mean? Like I think that's that's a that's a real question that we have to ask about MJF.
1: Could be. I mean, I remember in the nineties seeing that with Brian Pillman mm. and ending aside to how you know all that went, but you didn't know like I swear to god I thought Pillman was that crazy. Like I, I thought he pulled a gun out. Like in one pro Right. Like I, I thought I swear I was like, Oh no, this is not a gimmick. Like this guy is like that person. Like you can't separate the two after a while. Tom, have you seen this? Like how how often does it happen where people bring that that personal life and it, are allowed
5: to? It sounds like with MJF it happens a lot more often than not. Uh he brought up the regal uh email yeah. thing. Whether that's true, it sounds like it. I, I don't know. I don't even know if the fiance thing is true. I hope it's not. That's heartbreaking if that's the truth. I guess they had
1: separate anyway. You just put it in the promo.
5: Yeah. Uh here's here's the way I look at it. It has you guys asking questions and it has you tuning in. I come back to, uh, you mentioned you know, Kofi Mania briefly in the, in the beginning of this. Uh, I'll never forget the promo where it's all three members of the New Day and Vince in the ring. And Kofi says the line, something to the effect of, and forgive me if I'm not getting the line exactly right, you're never going to let somebody that looks like me to be at that level. And saying, like, I deserve it. And then Vince says, no one deserves anything in this life. You have to earn it. Both things are true that's okay. The heel has to have his own twisted justification for what they're doing. And it's okay if it's based in truth. I genuinely agree with what Vince said. You should earn everything in life. Nobody deserves everything. But what Kofi said, if you look at history, it was true. So I, I think it's valuable for both sides. But again, it comes back to what Andrea said. You have To be very careful, you're not wading into babyface territory, because then the whole thing can be lost. But it sounds like right now it has more people asking questions of what is the truth and tuning in to see the guy. So mission accomplished. Yeah, I I guess because an enigma uh, of sorts. Yeah. Real quick, before I go to you, Chris, how
1: much it goes into your life? Is there such thing as a tweener then? Because we're we're doing black and black and whites right like baby mm-hmm. face he like he's very much in the lane after he came back after they re-signed him after the punk ordeal and he becomes where people have been cheering him right he's done heal shit to kind of get like back in that character but all the cheers haven't gone away is there such thing as a tweener stone cold aside
5: hollywood, <laughs> hollywood rock Yeah, Rock came back. He was getting cheered more often than not. He's doing the rock concerts. Everybody's laughing and everything. But then they want to see him get killed by Goldberg. It it, it can happen. But think about the company that we just referenced that are able to pull it off. It is not easy. And then it takes creative focusing on somebody who is the tippy top of the roster. That doesn't happen for the rest of the roster. It's usually one, maybe two people that gets that sort of attention on a week-to-week basis. It's really difficult to maintain, and it takes an elite person to pull it off. So it's possible, but it's like a fraction of a percent where it actually clicks. Chris, how often
1: have you brought that into the wrestling world, your, your outside life? And is it something you do? Does it fuel your character? Do your character change based on what's going on outside of the ring? Um, and I know in, like, FSW, you've earned the cachet to have more of that leeway I've seen like your recent feuds with some like, of the guys. I saw the cage match like yeah. <laughs> earlier. Shout out new
4: heavyweight champion Ice Williams. Ice yeah.
1: Williams like uh, <laughs> you guys are going at it, but like that those things where you, you blur that line, how often are you doing that with your career?
4: I'm looking to do it as often as possible because for me um, what we do, you have to be able to tell a story and make people believe and i tweeted about this the other day where i said like it's a very special thing to make people believe you know to truly make people believe it's it's an indescribable feeling that just when you when you really reach that level you know like all right we have something here but i feel like the best way for you to make people to believe is to tell them the truth so like some people can't act you know like they just can't so it's hard to sell you something that you 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 don't buy it. You're like, yeah, no, nah, this is fake. You know, the fact that we're talking about whether it's real or not that MJF does is exactly how it should be, how everything should be. We should always be like, man, I don't know. You know, because now because the curtain's been pulled back so far, we all think we know. We all think everything is one way specifically. So if anybody has us guessing, that's a great thing. You know, uh, for me, I always try to make it personal. You know, the story between myself and John Morrison right now that is going on in Vegas. I've made that story personal to the degree where, you know, he, he was the first Mecca champion many years ago, five years ago, and he beat me in cage for the belt, and I really wanted it, you know. And uh, what happened before he left? He puts me through a table with Karrion and cross, and then he dips, you know. he calls, he dips. And I thought it was very strange that it took me five years to get to this belt, but now that I have it, you know, he's the first to congratulate me. Cool, you know, that's my childhood idol. We know this, but the reality behind this is, I didn't forget that you put me through a table, and I didn't forget that you also said that I was everything that was wrong with pro wrestling. I don't understand that. I, what I also won't do, and I said this in a promo, is uh, you know, I won't be the one to just have him come through and walk back. Now the WWE isn't isn't there for him anymore. I said he left to play second to the Miz, and he's going to come back to the Mecca to play second to me, and that's how I truly feel. You know, like he took everything that I wanted, and then just walked away when someone else called. I wouldn't do that to the company, so I have to make it personal. I have to make it as authentic as can be because it's cool to just say you're wrestling your idol, but that's not enough. There's there's a respect thing that I also have to tell this story and you know like he disrespected me, and I have respect for him as a performer, but Chris Bay, the the champion, the Mecca Grand Champion, I can't let you just take this, and I can't just forget what you said just because I like you, just because I I I idolize you. It doesn't work that way. So I have to make it real in order for people to understand like, okay, this is more than just an idle, you know, rival type thing. This is, this has some real weight to it, to him at least. Even if John doesn't take it serious on my side, I take it very serious and I want people to know that because they have to feel that they have to feel what I felt watching him just give the belt away and leave when I wanted it so bad. And when I hustled for it so bad and got put through a table for no reason, you know, like, why did he put me through a table? Little old me at the time, put me through a table for no reason. No, it, it's real, man. Like, you got to feel that. So, like, I always try to put it in my work if I can. You know, I always try to make it feel real, as real as possible. Because if it ain't,
3: they won't feel it. Shit, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> like everything right there. Before you ask the next one, Tommy, you brought up Kofi Mania. Now I got to ask because you brought it up. Being a spectator to watching that whole thing transpire. Oh, man. Can you yeah. give some insight? Like this was something for us as viewers, obviously, especially as African Americans, we're watching something happen that never happened before. Cry. And it yeah, like tears. Like I talked to MVP about this. I saw yeah. I saw you cry, dog. Yeah, that, that <laughs> video of him and Chad is yeah. just amazing. I, I cried the other day watching that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's, that, it's that video gets me. Yeah. So you're watching this transpire. Can you kind of walk us through like when this was like truly a thing? And you seeing this happen, how did it make you feel?
5: It was fascinating to me because I think at the time Kofi, you know, had been in for 11 years and you think about guys that are, you know, they're not six, 265 pounds. They look like Roman Reigns. They look like John Cena, the rock, et cetera. It's difficult for those guys to get over. And Kofi for just about all of his career had been just a baby face that everybody loved and had no problem with. So it took, 10 years, 11 years for him to earn the respect of the audience to the point that when he substituted in that chamber match, everybody was like, wow, he he belongs here. And to the surprise of no one internally, it was like, yeah, Kofi's a brilliant wrestler. Everybody knew he was capable of it. His promos, his character work, everything about his personality, who he is as a man. I'm like, yeah, of course this fits. And then you see where the story starts going. And... That, that story hinges so much on that great heel run Daniel Bryan had, mm-hmm. getting Rowan to back him up, you know, just kind of turning the, the B-plus player story that he lived years ago on its head but not making it racial. That was really difficult. Like It's like not that you needed to go there or wanted to right. go there, but Bryan never went there. But Kofi raised that point with Vince, as we talked about, in that promo, and then it was just him being put through hell gauntlet match after gauntlet match after gauntlet match and finally getting to the point at Wrestlemania when the moment came at Wrestlemania I remember waiting to see what was going to be announced as the main event I, I forget how far out in advance of Wrestlemania they announced the women's uh triple threat first ever women's main event in the history of Wrestlemania had massive historical importance so you understood why that was in the main event I remember going on busted open radio a couple of months before, uh, before WrestleMania. And I was like, well, the best story in the company right now is Kofi. So, you know, it, it doesn't always work this way. It's not always a meritocracy. It's the best box office match you can put in the main event. I was like, the best story is Kofi. So Kofi selfishly. I was the SmackDown play-by-play guy. I was like, <laughs> I'd love to call the main <laughs> event of WrestleMania, but uh, all kidding aside, we all understood how important this was from a racial standpoint. And, I didn't even have to really talk to Byron and Graves about it. But I knew once Kofi went over, I was like, I'm not saying a damn thing. And Byron had the call of his life because Byron felt it. And anybody that felt like they were in the same boat as Kofi felt that. And it was a beautiful moment. And then especially with his kids there at the end, Woods and Ear crying. I'm going to get teared up. Uh, (laughs) You know, it was like, it was just magical, and it was something like, you know, it transcended wrestling. It wasn't about wrestling. I mean, Kofi belonged in that category, and especially what it meant to inspire future generations. You can't put, a, you know, a price tag on that at all. So it was a beautiful moment. I'm glad I got to be a part of a small fraction of it.
3: So while you were there, and, and because there was a whole and that we did on podcast, it was a very much a will they or won't they Yeah, Kofi. Was that actually happening backstage between you guys? Like, are they going to do this? Or did you guys kind of know where this story was going?
5: I, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what, like, the, the storyline was preceding that because it was Ali who got injured? Yeah. 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 So it's not like, I forget who they were thinking of going with at the time. I'm, I'm genuinely blanking on who it was. But week to week as the Kofi thing was building and people were chaining Kofi and Kofi mania signs are out there, it's kind of like. Okay, like let's see where this goes, but there's certainly tons of instances in the history of pro wrestling and especially, you know, my time in WWE, Daniel Bryan didn't look like they were going to go with that for a while. Yep. Um there's a guy named Sami Zayn who from what I understand <laughs> didn't really seem like they wanted that storyline to explode the way that it did in the favor of Sami because you've got a guy named Cody Rhodes who's also doing some phenomenal things. So you're trying to balance these two you know, unstoppable forces if you're the creative team. So that's extremely challenging. But, yeah, Kofi just had all the momentum in the world. The story had all the momentum in the world. And let's not forget it wasn't just about Kofi. New Day had all the momentum in the world and still has staying power to this day, even without Big E being an active member uh, wrestling. So uh, there's so many layers to it. You could do hours on that storyline.
3: I mean, it, it, is, it almost deserves a 30 for 30, right? Like, oh, yeah. Like the storylines behind it. I mean,
4: Chris, were you out there for that? I was. I was in town. Yeah, I was in town. Yeah, I was, I was watching. I chose to watch from my Airbnb with just one of my closest friends. It was our first weekend like linking up in person, and you know, I was like, man, let's just kick back, have some beers, and watch this moment. And I remember filming myself after the victory, like filming myself with the TV with a, with a tear in my eye, and posting it. You know, like because it, it's 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 it was everything I ever wanted to see that. I hope that one day I could reach, but also in the back of my mind, never knew I could reach. And then mm. seeing the guy who everybody who just compared me to ever, <laughs> seeing him, like, really do it. And even me, like, you talk about the will they, won't they. I was in the won't they category because mm-hmm. that's what I'm used to. Yep. So, like, I'm, I'm watching my boy. I'm like, Bro, they're not going to do it. Like, there's not, they're just not going to do it. Like, I hope they do it. But they're not going to do it. So when they did it, I was like, we did it. You know, it yep. was like a we did it. Like, you know, and I said something similar to Leo Rush, you know, uh, talking to him about his career when I was just like, bro, watching you go to WWE and do everything you did, I feel like I did it. Like, you know, <laughs> the way the way you did it, like, that's how I felt when I seen Kofi do it. Like, I was like, man, we did it. Like, Kofi's our guy. You know, like, like you said, everybody loves him. You know, mm-hmm. years, a whole 10 year of a career where everybody loves you. It's like, no, this is our guy. Like, we did it. Like, I'm holding him up with the new day in my mind, you know, like, this is real, like, this is awesome.
3: Yeah, like because we were all there. You know, yeah. like, we yeah. were there, we yeah. would, we and I think there's a moment in that match where everybody kind of looks at each other, it's like they're getting ready to go home. Like, it was like, yeah. this is happening, mm-hmm. right? And I remember, I, I think I texted Kaz earlier in the night, and Kaz, like, I could see him standing up, and I was like, oh shit, this is happening. You're like 6'5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't miss his big ass. Like, down in front. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but what, this is all happening. Now, Tom, you're to let this moment breathe. Some people wouldn't do that. Some people would overrun that moment. Like, how did this how did you but like obviously you're also emotionally invested in this? Oh, hundred percent. But you knew.
5: I'm trying to remember if I knew the finish going into it. I don't. I don't know if I did. Uh, maybe I did. I, I genuinely can't remember. Uh, I. I going into matches of that caliber, I usually like to write out what my call will be, and it was, maybe it's like a bullet point or something like that. But it's either direction. If it's it had been Brian, had it been Kofi, I had an option for each. And I remember Cole calling uh, the end of the streak many years prior, and all he said was the streak is over. Yep. That's it. Four words. You don't need to say anything else. And then they just laid out because that crowd was insane. Kofi winning in that environment. I didn't want to say anything when the cover happened after the trouble in paradise because in my mind, I'm like, let them think he might kick out. And then when he, because if I start doing like, he's going to do it, he's going to do it on one, then it sounds like every other falsy that's occurred through, so far throughout the match. If I wait until the three, which everybody in the building maybe doesn't believe is going to happen, then it's going to feel a little bit more organic. And uh, this was a small thing coming from my sports background. Kofi's a B.C. guy, Boston College. There's a famous call of Doug Flutie throwing a Hail Mary touchdown pass on yeah. the yeah. radio broadcast. is, uh, Flutie did it. Flutie did it. Flutie did it. So I did. Kofi did it. Kofi did it. Kofi did it. Kofi, did it. Kofi, did it. Kofi is champion. And and I didn't talk for a couple minutes because Byron just went off and had this impassioned speech, and then everything else just kind of took care of itself. So, again, the, the soundbite you know, lives on, and I'm very proud of that. But all I had to say was Kofi did it because that's all that mattered, right?
3: Yeah, uh, 100%. If
2: anyone ever wants to remember, like, the fever pitch of that storyline going into it, the clip just recently started going around the Internet again of the Hall of Fame night before that. And them just showing the cameras back and forth for the New Day and Brian. And Brian was playing the part so well. He just was so stoic of just like, Mm -hmm. how could these people do? And the crowd was going bananas at a Hall of Fame night. And it's like, it feels like you got to have like somebody on stage calling somebody out to get that kind of a pop at Mm -hmm. a Hall of Fame night. And those two were just on fire going into that. I'll never forget
1: that. So that's an instance where they got it right. Yeah, Here we go. Uh oh. <laughs> 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 <Uh-oh. laughs> we talked about Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania, mm-hmm. Royal Rumble. That, that was horrible. But they got <laughs> it right <laughs> in the end. It's hard to ignore what's going on now with the bloodline with Sami Zayn, as you had mentioned, with Cody Rhodes, who came back from injury like, at the Royal Rumble. He didn't put Sami in the Rumble. How hard is it? to that was very smart (laughs) (laughs) really it it ate him up how hard is it to ignore that and is this an instance just in your opinion without watching without or Chris if you're watching it are they get did they get it wrong because they gave him a shot already I, I love that it was in Montreal I love that his friends and family were there the crowd one of the top three crowds I've heard in WWE it's like punk in Chicago it was crazy but he lost He is not champion. He's not going to get that match at WrestleMania if he gets one of the two titles down the line. Whatever. It's not a Mania moment. It looks like Cody will be in that spot. Don't know if he's going to win because Roman is Roman. But it's not Sami Zayn's moment. He had that in Montreal. Did they get it wrong?
5: again i've said i I didn't watch the show so uh i saw an interview recently with sammy might have been with uh ariel helwani and he said he was and this is just rammy yep rammy being very honest and he was like i'm not the poster child (laughs) he's like i knew when i got into this business no one was gonna put me on a billboard and build wrestlemania around me he's like i just don't fit the bill of what they're looking for and We've gone through plenty of different people through the life of this podcast of talking about, oh, well, maybe they didn't fit, but they eventually became champion. Who knows? His day could still be out there. But I think that's a very honest thing for him to say is that, yes, there's a certain thing that they're going to try and build to potentially. If you're, you're going to get Cody over on Roman Reigns and you finish the story, that's really special. But what if you don't finish the story and you drag this out? And that's the thing that it sounds like WWE's been getting right is that this is the long form storytelling that people have been begging for for years with WWE and you're finally getting it. So I urge fans again. I don't know what's happening week to week is just see what happens next. And that's the beauty of wrestling is that there will be another show. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to keep going somewhere. So I wish I could speak more to it. I just, I didn't
1: see a hundred percent. Chris. Um, when you look at something like this, because it's immediately people wouldn't be like, "Yeah, Chris Bay's like Sammy's Zayn. but when you look at it, like what Sammy said in that interview rings true, and what people look at, Sammy he's not the prototypical guy. Yeah, you are not 6'5", five. I'm not two hundred eighty pounds. You, you packed on more muscle. You know, don't, don't read my Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you look at that, when you see a a fellow performer having this run and doing By all accounts, everything right. Yeah. Sammy couldn't do anything better. Everything hit. And getting this mythical WrestleMania moment, which I guess I'll ask you about this in a second, because people win championships all the time. Yeah. WrestleMania moments are like a thing that are talked about. When you look at that, do you feel like, damn, man, they should have gave it to him. Just as a performer, like, man, I wanted him to get that because he's not the norm. Because when you look around, like, you're not the norm, but you know how good you are. Yeah, um, so that's a great question, honestly. And um, I
4: think I may be biased here because shout-out Cody Rhodes. That's my guy, you know. Yeah. Team Cody <laughs> all the way. Uh, but I also understand, like, it can go either way. But I also don't think sometimes it's fair to take from someone else to give to someone else. But life isn't fair. You know, like you said earlier, you got to earn these things. and for the reaction that Sammy has been getting, I think is wonderful. I think it's great. It's a great story. I actually just sat down and watched the match from elimination chamber of him and Roman probably yesterday. I think I finally sat down and watched it because, you know, even with me not watching wrestling, there's certain things that can bring me in. And that was one of those things that I was like, you know what, let me, let me tap into this and see what they do. And I think the way that they ended it for now, or put the seal on it for now is perfectly fine to go back to the story that they had, uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the, the Yeslemania thing. You know, like, I, I was, I'm a big Randy Orton guy, so I was like, bro, you interrupting my, my, my Randy Orton Batista thing, you know? Like, but there's fans out there who are just like me in that aspect where they're looking at this like, bro, you interrupting my Cody thing, Sammy. Like, I get it, and I like what you're doing, but, like, you're interrupting what I'm trying to see over here. So, like, if they are going to go with Cody, that's great. You know, I, I'm not mad at that. I don't think that Sami Zayn necessarily missed anything because I think if anything he proved more than, he, than he's missing. You know, he still has his, his time. He's still going to have a WrestleMania moment because of where he's at right now in his career and how the fans are reacting to him. He'll be somewhere on the show. If not, added to the main event or whatever. He'll be somewhere on the show. He'll get a great reaction. He'll create a moment like he always does because he's just that good. And there will be more WrestleManias. There will be more opportunities. There will be another chance for him to do so. I don't think that we necessarily missed out on anything, not capitalizing on it right now. I think if anything, like you said, there'll be another episode. We're just drawing people in for longer to keep watching and keep supporting and keep making sure that, you know, when the story is told and we get to the, the point, everybody will be happy and very satisfied with the decision that they make. But I'm a Cody guy, you know, like I, I like the story he's telling. I like what he's doing with his father's legacy, you know, uh, It rings personal for me, so like I'm interested in it to go this way, and I'm also a big Roman guy. You know, I love him. I've always thought he was great since he first came up with the shield. I was like, yo, that's obviously the guy, you know? Uh, He had appeal for my friends who, you know, were football players and stuff at the time didn't watch wrestling. I'd be like, yo, check this guy out. they would be like, this guy's dope. You know, like, (laughs) he had that effect where he could get the outside eyes. I already knew he was the one, so I think this is a perfect story as is, and I think Throwing Sammy in there, the way they threw him in there already in the curve was perfectly fine, just to keep people interested on the way to do that. And even Sammy and Cody had some great promos that told their stories respectively with realism in it,
1: you know? It's, Cody's also a Chris Bay guy. He yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Cole, before I ask you real quick about your opinion on that um, and what happened last weekend at the Chamber, I want to come back over here. Is, is WrestleMania moments a real thing? Like, how, how important is it to have it when you being in that company, you seeing guys in locker room and working to grab the brass ring? There's so many terms. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them, yeah. Like, uh, are, is having a WrestleMania moment, is headlining really the end-all, be-all when you are in that company as a talent? From what you've seen because cm punk does interviews where he's like i left because i didn't headline like <laughs> sir you're cm punk like you had a cult following right. regardless of it <clears throat> um is that really like a thing you saw when you're being there like is that the end all be all stamp of approval my legacy is done in that company
5: uh it all depends i mean there's a lot of guys that have been in the main event and then have never been in the main event ever since so i mean like it can be just this is what the business was this year and i keep coming back to that mentality is I think there's far too many people that are, you know, wanting to be the, I need to be the champion. I need to be the main, in the main event. I need this. I need that. When in reality is what's the best piece of business I can do? How, how can I be a professional? And if the show calls for me to do this or to do a ton or to do very little or to do nothing, as Chris was just saying in regards to whatever Sami Zayn's role is at this year's WrestleMania, He's a professional. At the end of the day, the the guys and girls that do that are going to get further than people who have their head in the clouds.
1: that's so true. <laughs> like that's you never facts. know when it comes back around.
3: <laughs>
2: you want to talk about WrestleMania moments, though? I mean, the guy put over a Jackass match. So you know,
5: I was going to say I, he, that was hilarious. He was able that to make that That was great because I love Jackass. <laughs> so I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. You
2: know, you look at it on paper and you're like wait we're doing this with Sammy what and like you talk about being a professional and Sammy just goes okay this is the hand I've been dealt let me make this work for me and put my stamp on this and we're still talking about the jackass match because of what Sammy was able to do there so is that a Wrestlemania moment no not 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 oh I disagree well it could be in in the sense of like winning the world title right like I, I think like as far as you know, fans certainly getting behind. Certain wrestlers are always thinking about like the the holy grail is getting the champion.
4: The wrestlers fans fair. WrestleMania. Yes,
2: exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, fair. So, but but I I agree with you. I think you know if you're if you are standing out in WrestleMania, there's plenty of main events out there in WrestleMania that do we talk about?
1: Oh my God, there's been some boring ones. So there's been some, <laughs> there's, there's we, been some bad. We ones.
2: we talk about we talk about Taker Sean. Yeah, Taker Sean one, Taker Sean two. Take us on one, and what was the ma- what was the main event of that one? Was it was it Triple H in... I don't care. I don't <laughs> see? Yeah. <laughs> I feel so... bad they put
1: Triple H in Jericho after something, and they... That after was Hogan after Hogan and Rock. Rock. Yeah. After Hogan, Hogan and Rock, that was and it, it was mistake. Just wow. like, oh, that's unfortunate. Sometime, yeah. It wasn't a horrible match, but it was just like, nah, well, nobody cared. It. They took <laughs> the energy out
2: of everybody. Yeah, that
3: was it.
1: Time
2: and place. It's, yes. it's so important in that. As far as what's going on right now. And we've brought up, it's funny, we've brought up so many of these stories of, of like, the, the underdog story and fans kind of growing to a swell and going, this is the thing that I want. And Sammy's got that. Uh, Daniel Bryan certainly had that. And I think with that particular set of the story, I think people were just more upset about the alternatives and what was going on. Yeah. As, much as, as much as you love Randy Orton, yeah. that was not, like, people were like, <laughs> we've seen Randy, we've seen Batista, we've seen Triple H. 100%. And this is this is the brand new shiny toy that we've yeah. got, and he's got something rolling with him. He's got the momentum. Whereas in this case, Cody's not getting booed. No. Cody went in front of these Canadian crowds right after Sammy just had his elimination chamber match, and they still all love Cody Rhodes. They're eating up Cody Rhodes. This isn't this isn't Cena sucks. <laughs> you know, like I feel like because of that, they're able to have the leeway to go okay. We have the bloodline story. How long have we been telling the bloodline story since the fans couldn't go to the arenas, yeah. right? We're in the Thunderdome era. Uh, as the magic internet wrestling term, long-term booking, you know, like that's, that's where we're at with the, with the bloodline. So they've shown at least with the bloodline story, they're able to go back and take elements from the story that have happened years ago and bring them to the fold now. I think Jay's part in, in the Sammy story has been a remarkable part of this whole this whole ordeal. And I don't I think what gets lost in Sammy Mania is Jay. Jay's been an unbelievable foil in this, where his story was going back to the beginning of the Thunderdome era. He was the one going after Roman, being like, wait a second, hold on. Like, I I I have I have a role in this. Like, and Roman had to put him in his place. And and he had to build himself back up in the bloodline, and then as soon as someone came and took his spot in Sami Zayn, he felt threatened by that. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was, I don't like this guy at all. And then he was the one to finally give in and go, wait, Sami is, Sami's got her back. He's, the, he's got it. And, I mean, that Royal Rumble moment was great with, Sa- like, with, with Sami turning on Roman and the chair shot going back to the shield. But that moment is not that moment without Jay going, oh, fuck, what have I done? I fucked up. Yeah. and there's a magic in 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 all this and all of these moving pieces with this particular storyline that you know Cody has a thing that's that that is a different story that is parallel to it which I think is really confusing for fans because you know we talk about even it goes to tribalism in 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 in, in fandom of i can only like WWE i can only like AEW i can only like impact it's like no 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 hold on a second Get the side A, side B conversation out of it. Wrestling comes on. There's a, there's a Raw after WrestleMania. There's a SmackDown after that. We're going to be back in Philly come next year. Yep. The chances for them to come back to this, like how can they not, especially where they left the story off. So yeah, I, I fall into the camp of, you know, Cody came back and, and, and Cody's time is upon us. And that's been his story. Finish the story. Finish the story. All right, before we
1: get out of here, I'm gonna go around for everyone here. Wait, just...
2: I got to ask a question
3: before yeah. we do get out of here. Roman's been this heel champion for a long time, but Impact has a champion that's Josh Alexander has mm-hmm. had this title for extraordinarily long. What is the, some people say there is not a benefit in long term champions, like people that hold the titles? What is your opinion on that? Because I, me, I feel like the longer you hold the title, it just makes the person who eventually gets it off of that person. I hated hot potato titles. I was miserable. I was like, I don't, I'm not invested in any of this shit. Mm-hmm. I feel like Josh Alexander's run is, and I think when you, when I uh, sent that quote, I was like, it's, it's understated, but it's so impressive because mm-hmm. every match that he has is like, they're different, they're incredible, and then you go, and then you look up and he's like, he's still got the title. Mm-hmm. How, how, also, Tom, from your perspective, how hard is it for a babyface to be a champion that long? We've seen long-term heel champions. And it works. When Hulk Hogan was a babyface champion, everybody eventually hated it. People are still invested in Josh Alexander's story.
5: Mm -hmm. Uh, First of all, thank you for bringing the conversation back to Impact Wrestling. We appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Josh went from winning the title, losing it minutes later, to Moose getting screwed in front of his wife and his son, and then having to chase it for another six months. And then he finally captures what he's always worked for. 17 years he'd worked for that. Mm-hmm. So you go from the guy who he finally did it. Well, once you do that, you know, in any movie, that's the end of the movie. Right. So how do you keep the movie going? Well, now he goes into his rematch with Moose. He has Tomahiro Ishii, which was brutal. Then you go into dealing with Eric Young at Slammiversary. You deal with Joe Doring, the monster. There is even a... Whinge of, I would say, a heelish nature to Josh in the contract signing with Alex Shelley. Shelley brought something out of him, needled him a little bit, and Josh was like, I'm going to beat you, period. So you went from the guy who was just trying to make it back to the mountaintop to the dude who a handful of months later is like, nope, I'm going to win this match because I'm the best wrestler alive. Then, uh, especially at Hard to Kill, full metal mayhem, we saw a side of him brought out by Bully Ray that we never seen out of Josh Alexander. What you see is evolution. You see the maturation of a character because of all the reasons that I just mentioned. If you'd stuck around with the dude who got screwed over by Moose at Bound for Glory in front of his wife and son, how far can you really go with that? You need to add layers to the character, just like we talked about plenty of characters who've had layers added to them over their lifespan. That's what's been done with Josh Alexander is that we learn something new about him every single title defense, whether it's he wins in a different fashion, he shows something different emotionally, uh, an opponent does something that is horrific or somebody that is a true sportsman like Rich Swan. Uh, there's all these different things that you see, and I completely agree with you, Andreas. The longer the title reign, then ideally you're making the next guy babyface or heel that goes over for the championship. So, but at the rate Josh is going, it's just insane because I've, you know, we've talked about, oh, he's the standard of Impact Wrestling. It went from, okay, you're the champion naturally. Yes, you are the standard. No, he's the freaking standard of Impact Wrestling. I've said it before. I think he's one of the most important Impact World Champions ever because of the significance of what he's done for the company at this point in time coming out of the pandemic needing to put the championship on the right guy at the right time as you return to live touring. Let's not forget about that. That was very late in 2021 for Impact. Then you roll into the whole Moose and Josh Alexander story. It's been done very, very well, and Josh just keeps rolling.
3: Uh, Chris, what do you think about all this? I think
4: Josh is the perfect champion for right now. I think that his run has been incredible, like you said. I'm always in the locker room watching his matches. Uh, because there's something to learn from him whether you want to or not. You know, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. There's a reason why he's been champion for as long as he has, why he has defeated all the people that he has, why he was a standout in the tag team many years ago, why his X Division championship run was phenomenal. Um, And I think that the fans have no choice but to respect that. That's why they still respond so positively to him. And they'll continue to do that because you have no choice but to respect it. And um, he's going to give you real. You know, he's going to give you very authentic. And you can't, you can't, you can hate it. You can love it. You got to respect it. And at the end of the day, our fans of our sport, especially Impact Wrestling fans, one thing they're going to do is show respect. So they'll continue to show him respect. And I think that at the end of his story with this championship, I'm sitting there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way I've envisioned it for a long time, honestly. The, the longer he holds it, I feel like the more power I gain. If we're being real. I watch it. I love it. But I know I'm the guy. I know I'm next up. And I'm going to win the tag titles. It's going to be sweet. Just too sweet. And after that, me and Ace will probably have to figure out which one of us goes first on the Rochambeau to get this world title. But it'll be me. It'll be me inevitably. And uh, I'm the guy that stopped Josh. I just know it. I would, I, I've known it since he dropped me off the ultimate X 15 feet high and my back was messed up for weeks. <laughs> I've known it since he made me tap many years ago on my birthday of all days. Disrespectful. So like, I know.
1: That started your villain origin story. 100%. 100%. <laughs>
4: so I know it. I know I'm the guy. and I'm going to let him keep running supreme. I, I hope he beats Rich Swan because Rich Juan beat me and retained the title against me. I hope he beats Rich because I got to be the one to beat Josh. And even if Rich beats him, right? I'll beat Rich, and then I'll beat Josh.
1: <laughs> but I'm going to beat Josh. <laughs> You're going to see that art of finesse. I'm going to beat Josh. And that's all I've got to say about it. I,
2: <laughs> I was going to say, he, he, he likes short-term title reigns for everybody else. But as soon as that belt... Comes on back. We love the long-term. Oh, yeah. We, we love, love the long, they long Think about
4: all the cool jackets. Absolutely. That belt can sit in. Think on about
2: now. it.
4: Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. I'll have to get a chain for the chain for the belt.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Then <laughs> He really ain't doing yeah, our no podcast. Do that. <laughs> That's going to be the end of this.
1: Uh, all right. So, before we get out of here, we're just going to go around really quick. I'm going to ask a couple of random questions. It doesn't have to be long. Just answer it. I always like to go around and kind of end it with this when we have guests. and. We'll go this way, around, and then we'll loop back around. Wow. Uh, yeah, Chris, <laughs> you're you're up first. You can answer it from a perspective of, like, who you'd like to wrestle. Um, name out there, who is that next person where you watch and be like, I got to get in a ring with them. For everyone else, who's someone out there where you're just like, man, this, a name maybe someone doesn't know that you've seen, you'd be like, that's, that's the next person. That's the next guy or girl. They're going places in this industry but Chris who's someone you watched you've now been to Japan you've been to all these promotions where you look and be like I gotta get in a ring with them like me and them gotta test each other they gotta lose but uh, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go out there and compete against this person
4: well you know I'm gonna I'm put over the Young because that's how I go um, if we're talking about Impact Wrestling specifically Jason Hotch man mm-hmm. uh, you know one half of the good hands him and um, Skyler John Skyler but Jason Hodge, he's an incredible performer. He looks good. He's a young dude, and he's got a work ethic about him that, you know, when you see him get in the ring, especially see him get in the ring with people who can go, you're like, all right, this guy's going to be here for a while. You know what I'm saying? So I would love to get on a TV match with him and really show the world, like, you know, if they thought I was up, you know what I'm saying? This guy's, he's up there too, you know, like he's got it. And then if we're talking locally, you know, I could get back in there with Ice Williams sometime.
5: (laughs) He's got the heavyweight
4: championship around here, and I got to respect it or whatever, but I'm the Mecca grand champion. So, you know, when he's ready, we'll
1: run it back. Champ, 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 champ. champ.
5: Uh, I'm going to go with a commentator, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. Uh, Just to stay in my lane. I I think there's a need in this industry for the first full-time female play-by-play announced voice in a major wrestling company, and it's no slight against any other companies that have already accomplished that feat, and Impact has had that before, but I mean somebody full-time. I think Alyssa Marino can be that person down the road.
4: Ah, Very good choice. No, 100%. Wow.
3: Great call. It. See, there's no young person for me because the only thing I keep thinking about is uh, because you're
5: old. Really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> you, you, you've been Everybody talk, young. You've been talking about this
1: one person for like three months now, and you're not? Okay. Ooh, who? Who have been talking about? Oh, you've watched every speedball match like yes, a million times. Yes, you knew I was going to bring <laughs> <laughs> it's so good.
3: One of my favorite opponents. It, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a speedball Mike Bailey. It's, it's funny because I watched speedball when I went to Reseda and watched him in PWG, and I was like, he don't look like he can go, and then he goes, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And the fact that he had his visa declined, he couldn't get into the states, and now that he's back and he's working the matches that he's working, and we've talked about WrestleMania weekend and what he's doing, that's that's the that's that's, that's the break. That's when you break through that glass ceiling. I mean, granted, as people listen to the show, he's working, he's working with Jonathan Gresham, yeah. and I'm like, that can't not be good, right? And if there's people out there who still haven't seen him work. Like, there's people that have seen, like, spots of him work. But if you, like, watch all of his work, man, he's mind-blowing. Yeah. So, it's like, he's now. I don't even want to call him next. He's like, he's now.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, speaking on uh, on Speedball also, you guys need to, like, please, like, take care of him over WrestleMania weekend. Because sure. he's, like... He's everywhere.
5: We'll put him in bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah, like
2: I'm like like it's like you just see all the bookings and it's like speedballs here, speedballs here, speedballs here. I'm like I'm just like for his safety. I mean, I want to see him work all that stuff because he's got some great bookings when he's, he's out got, there.
3: He's in got LA. Osprey on y'all. Bailey Osprey Hawaii.
5: Impact New Japan at Multiverse United. Only the strong survive.
3: That
1: that is. Fun. Tell Meltzer to get his stars ready. Hey, yeah.
3: yeah. Give, Wait. It, give it all the stars. <laughs> Do y'all give a shit about Meltzer no. Reigns? Right. I, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know. No! <laughs>
5: exactly.
2: I, I, I'll take this as an opportunity because we, we haven't mentioned this part of, of Impact Wrestling, and, and we'd be remiss not to because the knockouts division in Impact Wrestling still... Awesome. Like, awesome. It, as as far as you can, you can put that up against any women's women's promotion, women's division in the world right now. It's right at the top. We uh, love
4: Masha Slamovich.
2: Ooh. That's and that's who I was going to bring up. Ma- oh, like, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, <laughs> I mean, that, perfect. I mean, we're, we'll see her on Friday. But like, uh, but Ma- Masha's come out of like the last year for Masha has been unbelievable. And 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 just hearing what everyone says about her, just like uh, like everyone's just like. She's she is that crazy. Like she can really fucking go. And I think with all of the opponents that are are at her fingertips in Impact Wrestling, Mickey, Diana Perrazzo, everybody who is there, who is just a Jordan Grace, everyone who's who's she's already worked, it's like just do it again. You can keep going because there's so much that she's gonna be able to pick up from that roster. And what I also love about Impact is they they they've been able to give an opportunity for other women who are in who are on the indie circuit and give them a chance and i'm thinking of someone like Ally Catch getting impact yep. time yep. on there and these are the these are the kinds of performers that you know impacts being it has such a has has the platform to really showcase what these people can do cuz we see we, we we you know we see a, a lot of these women performers on the indie circuit go absolutely nuts yep. And then they get to Impact, and they're able to be themselves. And I think that's what's so great about the Knockouts division. So, yeah, M- Masha is, 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 has been unbelievable to watch on TV. Can't wait to see in person.
1: I'll go real quick. Sol Ruka NXT. Mm. She's been wrestling like six months. Yeah. She does spots that are just beyond imagination. It's like when I first saw Bianca Belair. And I was like, she's green. There's no one like her. When it clicks, it clicks. Soul is that. Name aside, the names were weird when Vince was, like, going through his, I just started watching NXT, I'm changing everyone's name. So it was like, a
5: long, long time from <laughs> Seth Rollins, very very normal and generic indeed. to whatever you just yeah, said. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's,
1: it's not the greatest of names down there right now. But, yeah, in terms of talent in ring and their women's division is really shaping up faster than everything else after this NXT 2.0 fiasco, um, in terms of the roster. But there's some really good talent. We all know Carmelo Hayes. We know the other people yeah. down there. There's some really good wrestlers still there. But when they went through that phase of just signing those athletes and the collegiate stars and people with no wrestling background, she picked it up so quick. So I think she's one, and she has one of the sickest finishers. That is- so, yeah, like it, just watching her pull that off is insane sometimes. So that's my pick. Real quick, going around, we'll do it this way. I think we know our answers, so we can go through quick. <laughs> but your favorite match, if you had to pick one out of thin air of myself or of yourself I'm that you've had your favorite match that you've called
4: me and Kushida just aired, yeah, that match right there, one on one I love that match. I think uh it was great storytelling. He's great to work with. It's probably like my third or fourth time being in the ring with him, and uh. I, I enjoy matches that move at that pace and tell those type of stories. Very simple stories, easy for people to understand. And I love it. I watched it back like four or five times already. I like it. I love it.
1: You feel like you love that. Now that you've been in new Japan, you've been to Japan. Yeah. That style like really fits you. Like, cause you've been in X division, but mm-hmm. the super juniors, like that juniors division in new Japan, is that like a new style where you're just like, Oh, I'm falling in love with this style too.
4: Um, probably. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. It's uh. I just like the challenge and, like, switching it up. You know, I don't, like, I don't like taking too long with one thing, but I also like being a hybrid. So it's got to vary. So when I get in the ring with people like Kushida, that's where we mix it up a little bit. We do some strong style, New Japan-type stuff, and we do some finessing, and then we make the art of finesse without, <laughs> without me hitting it, of course. Otherwise, it would be one, two, one, two three. <laughs> you know,
5: uh, for me, it's, uh, to this day, NXT TakeOver Dallas, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn. I was there, (laughs) Graves. I miss you, baby.
3: (laughs) I was. Oh, I was there. That was. I. I One of the probably the best NXT debut
1: ever. Like, and and that was obviously the the golden era, the beginning of it of or in the midst of it in NXT. But yeah, that debut was just that music. As soon as the music hit, it was like I didn't know they could top his. Like, Japan entrance. Perfect. And, like, the song there. And I was like, the song got better? And I was just... <laughs> like, it was perfect. I, I, I couldn't yeah, it believe it. Uh, all right, real quick. Best match we've
3: seen. I mean... Uh, we can go indie match. We don't got to do WWE. Nah, this best is indie a, match. This is, dude, there's a lot of matches. But you know what match I'm going to go to? Joe Daniel Styles. Oh, The, the yeah, day yeah. I watched Joe Daniel Styles, I was like, they can do this in the three... Like, in the mm-hmm. three-way? Oh, it's one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. Because that was a day... That I watched, I was I used to watch again. I've thought about this. I watched Impact because we had the black box, and I was like, watch well, N- and TNA pay per views, and I was like, I love that story when Joe came in because I saw him in Ring of Honor, and I watched those three work, and I was like, oh, there's there's better wrestling than WWE out there. Like I knew it, but that night, those those three were couldn't miss.
1: Real quick before I get to you, Cole, you guys missed the six sided ring. Like do, should. Like watching old TNA stuff I know you had you had the belt you're a fan would you compete in the six liner is that somewhere you're like
4: hmm would i yes do i want to no,
5: no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I i've always heard physically on the guys and girls yeah. it was really rough
4: yeah that, that's exactly what it is and i get that that would probably turn a lot people a lot of more people back into impact because they miss those TNA days those early they yearn for stuff like that that made us different you know but as a performer from what I've heard about it too, no, nah, I'm not interested in, in, in any of that. You know, I'll stick with the four sides. You know, yeah. but I could do a lot more finessing in a six sided ring. So the apron spot might hit different. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> spinal. Entirely different. Yeah, I broke my back. I thought. I,
5: I thought it was cool at the time. It made them stand out. But I think the beauty of what Impact is doing now is that we don't need a six sided ring to stand out. We're yeah. doing that on our own. Yeah, perfect. Cool.
2: I'm. I'll go a little bit of a different route because we have we have Impact in the house. Go with a little. T- TNA Impact past match and what what uh, I've seen in the last year that are my favorite matches that stand out because uh, I got I gotta give a shout out to Perk Angle <laughs> going <crazy>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> going crazy off the cage yeah um oh. when when he did the moon salt against uh, it just the moon salt with the no, like you want to talk about commentary laying out <sighs> that was the perfect moment because yeah. everyone was just like. You are fucking crazy. <laughs> what is wrong with you? You're yeah, nuts. So. Um, and then I got to go back to in, in last year's Slammiversary was, I thought, top to bottom, one of the best pay-per-views that we yeah. had all year across any of the pro- promotions. I thought the, the, the Queen of the Mountain match has a spe- special place in my heart because uh, it had a penalty box. and As uh, someone who loves <laughs> hockey and is, <laughs> considers himself an honorary Canadian, having a penalty box in a wrestling match, I don't care how it works. Great, I love it. But uh, but, uh, but but Josh uh, going against Eric, and and the match, doing all these all the echo spots to mm-hmm. TNA past yeah, and Impact callbacks, and it was just callback after callback after callback. And I mean the the, the challenge to keep track of all of that and the number that they hit was crazy, and it was just like spot after spot after spot. So like doing storytelling through a greatest hits montage. While telling their story at the same time, while Josh is telling his story as a champion, was such a cool, just like such a cool concept and something that I don't feel like I've ever really seen before. I haven't really seen promotions do that, like do a greatest no. hits in the middle of their own match. No, it's so o- cool.
1: Okada and Tanahashi do yeah. callbacks to their own matches, right? Mm. Constantly, and like that final one where Okada finally goes over. Um, I guess. Okada and Omega did the same. Yeah. Um and told that story. But no one's ever done it with like everyone's with, with like a different finisher. Like you just go through, right. but,
2: ooh, that's from this person. Oh, that's to, to, like to take con- Yeah, to, to take contact like they're taking context from like their particular story, right? Yeah. this match, it was let's take the context of a whole promotion and also stick it
5: with our story. If you watch Edge versus Randy Orton, that was labeled, quote, the greatest Ah, wrestling match ever. If you ignore that piece, that's a damn good wrestling match. It's always one hell of a
3: match. Yeah, they ruined it by calling it the greatest wrestling match. I was like, God damn it. But it was one hell of a match. (laughs) Let it live. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: I'll go quick, and it's not just because these people are in the main event scene of WWE currently, but you give me Kevin Steen, El Generico... Ladder match, ROH, one of the best matches. And it's one of those matches where it didn't feel like the stipulation was forced. Everything had a reason. The package power driver threw the ladders like when the ladder was in the middle. I thought he killed El Generico. Mm-hmm. So like those two, that's why they can wrestle forever. That's why they're forever linked. That's why Kevin Owens will always turn on Sami Zayn. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter because... What that feud set up in ROH, it's Peter Griffin versus the Chicken. It's <laughs> it's it's on site forever. <laughs> I'll like, I, I never get tired of it. And then uh, last for our guest here today, and this is always a hard one, but I'll make you guys think. Start with you, Tom. Year from now, it's obviously Mania season, and all that good stuff. But you guys always have amazing pay per views. Year from now, where do you, you see yourself? in the company, professionally, ideal scenario, there's a crystal ball. Where do you see yourself? Where do you see Impact Wrestling a year
5: from now? It's, it's hard to quantify, it's hard to put into words. I, I'm just really encouraged by the incremental progress that I continue to see. It's been very important to me in my conversations with Impact over the last year, but I'm really excited to see where they go. Selfishly, uh, I would love to represent Impact At Wrestle Kingdom, at some point in my career, Mm. that's Mm. one of the few things left on my wrestling bucket list. I don't want to take anybody's spot. I would kill to call something with Kevin Kelly. I would kill to go to Japan. Who wouldn't kill to go to work in the Tokyo Dome? So, uh, manifesting things. But uh, Scott Demore knows that. I've said that to him, to his face. So, I would love to do something like that. That'd be amazing.
1: (laughs) Hopefully, we get out to. Oh wait, I'm I'm making that experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going down.
4: Me. Okay, so I see myself in a year from now with Impact Wrestling either as the world champion or en route to the world championship to complete my triple crown goals, become one of the best world champions in the history of professional wrestling and take the company back to that super mainstream eye. Maybe even put it in front of a lot of eyes that it hasn't been in front of yet because I feel like I'm the guy to do it. I'm cool like that. I got, I got some cool connections. I'm tied to the streets. Heat always on my feet. And I came to eat, you know what I'm saying? And I'm going to give everybody a plate if you save the date. A year from now, Impact Wrestling, it belongs to Bay. That's how I see it. I'm sorry, where were my manners? It belongs to Bay. And I'll be in the main event scene, and it'll be just
1: too sweet. Listen, I believe every word of that. <laughs> what can, what, what that, can I say? That is say? too sweet. Yes. Um, you know what I need this next year? I'm just calling. talking about Meltzer ratings earlier. People don't care about the stars. I need Chris Bay to get five stars. Get five stars <laughs> for a damn match.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, Stop sleeping on me. Yeah,
1: come on. My eighth. damn shame. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can't wait. Can't wait to see more of you in Impact. Of course, hear more of you in Impact. See all the work with New Japan. That excites me. I love the crossover fights. Uh, and, and cards and matches. And
3: I also love that you guys keep coming back to Vegas. Yes. Us yes. yes. too.
5: Hopefully, we're back soon. Seriously, this place has been very good to us. Samstown Casino, big shout out. So
3: Yeah, no, I, I
1: love it. I really hope to see Mercedes Monet in the crossover event in WrestleMania. My of
5: course, man. you do. Mind me.
1: Yeah. You know. Selfish plug there. If, uh, if anyone knows anything in the back, please <laughs> let me know. So, uh, uh, I'd like a meet and greet of some sort. Uh, no, we, we appreciate you both. Producer Cole, baby, thank you for being back here. He did not go through a table. He is safe and sound. For now, he's still out here for another yet, couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you never know. You I, never got know him, I got happened.
2: me on my guard, always. Bully Ray's going to be in Vegas, bro. Oh, yeah.
5: yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah. I know Chris that,
2: may teach me the art of finesse. I Come know on. this
5: table's pretty sturdy, but there's four of us. We should be able oh, to do it. Okay. Yeah.
2: So, you know, I really regret taking that five-hour drive this morning. Uh, you know, it's been great seeing you guys. Uh, listen, we appreciate
1: it. Next time you see Cole, he'll have long hair again, probably. So just, just making sure you guys know that. Thank you all for listening, as always. Shout out to everyone here at Blue Wire Studios, Wind Resort in Las Vegas, everyone in the booth for a long day, but for sticking around and making sure please, stuff happens.
2: Please, Wire Studio. Oh,
1: Baywire Studios today. Really? Uh, Make sure you guys follow us on social media, (laughs) at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, at Corner Pod on TikTok. Check out our YouTube, The Corner Podcast, as well. Wherever you guys hear podcasts, Apple, Spotify, we are also on there. Until next time, we appreciate you all. Support, impact, and everything they do. Amazing wrestling promotion. For Dre, myself, we're out. Peace.